This is the show for those who want to live strong in business, life, and family. Welcome to the Warrior Her Podcast. Hey there, my name is Stephanie Lawrence and I am a credit specialist. I help real estate investors establish the credit that they need to obtain funding for their business so they can double their purchasing power, increase their cash flow, and 10x their business growth. I've been in the credit industry for about 12 years now and it has been my true passion to help others. Even though I thought I wanted to be a pediatrician, I actually ended up helping others in a different way and really, really make a difference in my community and in the world. I've helped thousands of people achieve 700 plus credit scores um, so they can do things like purchase their first home, reduce their interest rates, buy a new car, and just overall improve their quality of life. And it all started when I had my daughter and she remains the true inspiration behind the entire business and why I do what it is that I do so that I can inspire her and others as well. And so tell people that are listening kind of just your, just a little bit of more information on where you're from and um, how old were you, how old you were when you had your daughter? Sure, sure, sure. So I grew up in uh, Washington, D.C. I've been there my whole life. I'm still in the DMV area now and um, grew up with my mom and my two sisters. And um, after I, I was going on route to becoming a pediatrician, like I mentioned before, so I uh, was going to college for medical medical school to go to medical school. And I majored in biology and French. And then I took a year off. And during that time is when I started to have second thoughts on going to medical school. And so what I did was instead, I went and got my master's, I got my MBA in accounting and finance. And that's when I had my daughter. And this was 12 years ago. And when I had her, um, I was in school. So I was, you know, a new mom with an infant and also uh, taking vigorous classes uh, to achieve my master's. And that's when, um, you know, my love for, for finance took over and I decided to pursue, um, you know, the finance world instead of going to get um, my doctorate. <laughs> what made you fully immerse yourself? in finance? Yeah. So what happened was I was actually thinking about applying for a home. I I felt like, you know, that was the next step I was supposed to take. And uh, I wanted to, you know, get a house. That's what everybody was doing at the time. I felt like everyone was being approved. And so I was like, okay, so I should be able to, I had a good stable job, had a good salary, and I thought that would be good enough. And when I applied for the home, what happened was my application quickly came back denied. And when it came back denied and they told me it was due to my credit score and that I either had to wait for a cosigner or I had to, um, you know, just wait until my credit got better. You know, I was really crushed. And so I decided to find out more about what was causing this credit denial. 
and because I didn't know anything about credit at the time, to be honest with you. Um, I didn't know why my score was so low. It was in the 530s. And so that's what really pushed me to really, really investigate, you know, what this credit scoring model was all about, you know, more information behind it, how I can improve it. And, you know, what was this thing that was standing in the way of my dream? Like, it, it just seemed like a really big obstacle at the time. And so when I decided to get more information, you know, really got into it, you know, it was very interesting to me. And not only that, at the time, I also had a 2005 Ford Explorer. And so even though I got approved for the truck, I was paying a 24.5 interest rate on the truck. Uh -huh. Yes. And so what, even though I was able to make the payments at the time, you know, those things catch up to you because my payment was really, really high. And then the interest rate was high. So I was never paying down the principal balance. And so about after a year, I was like, hey, what's going on here? Like, I'm still seeing this high balance that I owe and I've been paying for a year. And that's when it started to hit me. And, you know, the it, it was just too much to handle. And that's when I said, okay, enough is enough. Like I got denied for the house. These, this truck payment is killing my pockets. You know, I'm working so hard, but I'm not seeing anything in return. And so that's when I decided to really take it a step further. And so instead of just going by the information I found on like YouTube and Google and, you know, little guys I was buying and programs I was investing in, I decided to take a step further because I knew I needed, you know, to make a change. Like it was just, it was too much, too many collections and um, the, the car note issue. It was just too much for me to bear. And so what I decided to do was actually go and get trained by someone who had been in the industry for 23 years and, you know, teach me exactly the steps I needed to improve my credit score and also about the industry and how I could help others. And so when I found the program, you know, I didn't have all of the money at the time, but I knew it was an investment that I needed to make in myself. And so I knew it was just going to be a game changer. So I saved as much as I could. And then I called my dad and I was like, hey, you know, there's this program I really want to take. And, you know, it's really going to be a game changer. And I promise I'll pay you back because I know it's going to pay off. And, you know, he loaned me the money and I was able to fly out to Arizona and get trained. Um, it was a full vigorous training on how to improve my credit score, how to get started in the credit repair industry to help others. And I came home and I just started implementing everything I learned. And it was the best decision I could have ever made because I was able to boost my score about 245 points in about four months. And so when I saw that change in my own score and that I was able to achieve that, you know, just with the strategies that I implemented myself, I was like, hey, let me try to help some friends and try to help some family members. You know, I know they're struggling as well. So, you know, the least they can say is no, and they'll just be, you know, in the same situation or we could try to figure this out to see if it really works and, you know, try to get them some improvement as well. And so they said yes. And I started to see, you know, some of the same results with them as well. And, you know, when they would call and, and see the difference in their score and how happy they were, that was the moment I knew that this is what I was meant to be doing because I was just super excited. You know, I would be doing cartwheels and just, you know, screaming and happy. And so that was really the moment that I knew that, okay, this is what I should be doing. This is what makes me happy. I enjoy it. 
And that's how the business was born. So I think there are so many things there to unpack, but, um, and just things that you said in that statement, like one, I want to highlight that you did not have good credit. And I want, I Mm -hmm. want people to understand, including myself, that Mm -hmm. I currently am now learning all of these things Mm -hmm. over the last like two years. And I had to learn the hard way. So I actually voluntarily repossessed my car because of that exact situation. My, my APR on it was only like, I think only like 8%, which is, is not terrible, No, but I was in a car that I couldn't afford financially and I didn't ever think past I can afford it right now. Right. So when I open a business, I go, I'm not working now. My income's not coming in. I have a baby. There was a lot of things at play that I did not think about. Mm-hmm. And um, especially like in the culture that we have and people who are entrepreneurs and in business, I think it's just important to highlight that everyone doesn't know everything, mm-hmm. and that it's okay to find the answers and learn, but then the other part that leads me to is you didn't just go to this place and say, Hey, fix my credit. You learned and then you applied. Yes. So you had a, on your website, it talks about, it tells a little bit about your story and tells how your credit, you, your credit got down all the way to a 478. Mm-hmm. So, Oh my God, people are going to listen. Oh no. 478. Exactly. So yeah. <laughs> tell me about the process of, when you realize that was your credit score and now you, you went to this training after this point or yes, yes, yes. this point. So what I did first was I actually, you know, just started looking on the internet. And so, you know, there's just going to be bits and pieces of information everywhere. You're going to learn so many different things and it was just information overload. And then some of that stuff just isn't even accurate. And so I was doing a lot of things wrong when I tried it on my own. So I was doing things like disputing online. I was paying off old collection debt, not realizing that I was actually doing more damage to my credit score. So that's when I knew, okay, I actually need help. And, you know, not just help by going online, you know, which is cool sometimes, but sometimes you need to, you know, pay (laughs) to get, you know, real life information that you can implement. And then, you know, like you said, you know, knowledge is really powerful, but it's the implementation and taking action and putting that stuff into work that's really going to get you the results that you're looking for. And so that's what I did. So after I invested in a mentor getting trained, I was able to, you know, really write effective letters to the credit bureaus, you know, informing them that I wanted to challenge some inaccuracies that I found on my credit report. You know, I learned the federal law that's in place to protect us that actually gives us the right to do that. And so I just followed it. You know, I I read it. I learned it. I followed it and just asked the credit bureaus to investigate those errors and send me an updated credit report. So that was the first part of my process, but it wasn't until I actually got trained on how to write the letters the best way, because when I disputed online, everything just came back verified. And that's something that I get a lot with my clients who say they've tried it in the past. That's the same thing that they're they're doing. And that's why they're not getting the results that they're looking for. So, you know, that was the first part of my process. And then I had to also add positive credit to my portfolio to show creditors that I'm credit worthy again, I'm trustworthy, and that you know I can continue to make on-time payments. So that's something that's very, very important to your credit building process. If you don't add positive credit, 
just eliminating the negative stuff isn't going to help you. And so that was where I really had to put my focus to help boost my score. Of course, like you said, it was had dropped so low into the 400s that, you know, I had to really, really work towards that. And so the credit building is what really got me there as well. So why shouldn't people dispute online? Okay. So that is something you should never, ever, ever do. And the reason being is that they make it so easy. They make it so convenient for you. And that's the point. They want you to come and dispute online so that they can do the most minimal work possible. You know, they're not really doing an investigation. It's going through a computer system. They're just using codes that's going from them to the creditor and then come back as verified. They're not actually investigating for the errors and looking at the inaccuracies to see if it's valid or not. And so that's why you want to have a letter written where it's in black and white, where they can open the letter, read your your, um, reason for disputing, and then apply the necessary tactics to do the investigation. Another thing that is um, wrong with disputing online is that you lose some of your rights when you dispute online. So if you want to have it reinvestigated afterwards and you're using another reason why the account is inaccurate, you lose that right to a reinvestigation. And so that's why they make it so easy because people are just going to give up once they see that they're at a standstill. And that's what they want you to do. They want you to be stuck with a low credit score so they, they can continue to make money off of you. So that's the number one thing that I would advise you is not to dispute online, even though they make it so easy and convenient for you, but you want to write an actual letter to get better results. And then how does someone go about adding new credit if their credit is already bad? Oh, so there's a couple ways you can do that. So if you know somebody, so this method is called piggybacking, okay? So if you know somebody with really, really awesome credit, um, they pay their bills on time, and they have a low balance on their credit card, you can literally just, you know, ask them, reach out to them and say, hey, you know, I'm working on my credit. If it, it could be a mom or dad or aunt or sibling, grandparents, grandparents have the best credit. Let me guys tell you, <laughs> when I saw my grandparents' credit score, I was like, wow, you know, um, but, you know, that's without saying, you know, with, with age, you get better credit. So. Um, So you can ask them, hey, you're on your credit improvement journey and you just need a little bit of assistance. And what they can do is add you as an authorized user onto one or two of their cards that, you know, they they pay on time and have a low balance. And then in 30 days, you get that payment history added onto your credit report. So it is one of the fastest ways to boost your credit score. And then there's no risk to the account holder. There's no co-signing involved. So it really is a win-win. So the, the person who has the account doesn't have to worry about their credit taking a hit. And then you don't have to worry about having any credit inquiries onto your credit report because you're not applying for credit, right? You're just getting added as a user onto their account. So you get that payment history. Let's say they've had the account open for 12 years right? Now you've just added 12 years of payment history, on-time payment history to your credit portfolio. So look at how great that would be. You know, that's 35% of your score right there. And so that boosts your credit very quickly and very high. And so if for some crazy reason this, you were piggybacking on someone else's credit and they started to mess up, Mm-hmm. Would that affect your credit score as well? Actually, it does. So I'm glad that you actually mentioned that. It does, but 
it's very easy to fix. So all you do is remove yourself as an authorized user, write a letter to the credit bureaus and let them know that you're not on that account. That is not your account and, and you'll be removed and it'll be removed from your credit report as well. So that's a good thing about it. Um, so of course you wanna ask someone who is responsible. I mean, unless something you know major happens that causes the, you know, the account to go negative, then that's understandable. But you know, choose somebody wisely that you know, you know, is very particular about taking care of their credit um, before you ask. So you just don't want to ask anyone but someone with years of history who's very, very um, responsible with their payment history so that doesn't happen. But again, it's easy to remove yourself from the account and then just write a simple letter saying that, you know, it's not your account, you're not on the account anymore uh, and to please remove it from your credit profile. And so what are the actual steps to building personal credit? There are many steps. So building personal credit, you know, takes time, but there are five key factors that actually calculate your score. Um, but there are plenty of ways that you can build your credit. So the piggybacking is one. Um, another strategy you can use is to apply for a secure credit card. So if you're struggling, let's say your score is below 600. I would highly advise you to apply for a secure credit card. And so what that does is that you put down a security deposit, which becomes your collateral, and the bank will extend you a credit card. And whatever you put down as your security deposit becomes your credit limit. And so let's say you put down $300, the bank gives you a credit card, now your credit limit is $300. You make on-time payments when you use the account, and you start to build credit history. But this is something you want to be careful with when you first open this account. You know, don't use it too much. Um, you want to keep your balances below 10% as well. So that on-time payment history is what's going to help you build your credit score back up, right? So it lets people know that you're trustworthy again and that they can extend you credit in the future. Another route is to possibly add um, an installment loan on your credit report. If you don't have you know, a mortgage loan or a car loan or something like that, you wanna add an installment loan that shows that you can manage payments over an extended period of time. So they wanna know that you're responsible. You can not only handle a credit card that you pay every 30 days, but you can handle payments over an extended period of time, like five years, six years, and then a mortgage loan, which is gonna be 25 to 30 years. So that shows them, okay, this person not only can you know make their credit card payments on time, they can pay this car loan that's what, $40,000 over five years on time. So that builds your credit history as well. And then you want to be sure that you keep your accounts open. If you have an account from high school or from college, right? Don't close those old accounts just because you don't use them. That's going to shorten your credit history and therefore lowering your credit score. So you want to be sure that you're keeping your accounts open so that you have the longest credit history possible that length of credit history, that accounts for about 15% of your score. So you wanna be sure that you have that history available. That's what a lot of people are lacking when they're building up their credit profile and they don't pay attention to that. So you wanna be sure that you have a good length of credit history. They really look for anything between like 10 and 11 years and up to, to give you about a 750 score and higher. So you wanna be sure that you're keeping those accounts open and active right? Make sure that you're actually using the credit that's given to you. So a lot of times, you know, we'll put a card in our wallet and forget about it. 
And then, you know, one day your account gets closed, right? They're looking at you and they're like, hey, we gave you this credit line. You're not using it. We're going to take it away. So you want to be sure that doesn't happen to you so that your credit history doesn't get shortened, right? So even if you have to go to the dollar store and buy something for a dollar, go to Target and buy a pair of socks, you know, buy small things, but keep the account active. That's what's going to help you build that positive credit history so that your score can be maintained at a high level. Now, does that same thing apply for like uh, maybe credit cards that you're using, like a Victoria's Secret card, or is that more of mm-hmm. personal credit cards, like a Visa or MasterCard? Yeah, yeah. It's going to be for your store cards as well. Um, and they're the ones who are notorious for closing your accounts when they see you don't use it. So you never want to go more than 90 days to six months without using your account, right? So uh, every three months, at least you want to have something, um, you know, being used. So when they have those big annual sales, you can make a purchase. Uh, With your regular credit cards, like I said, you can, you know, charge something for a dollar, buy a small purchase or something like that. But your your department store cards need to be used regularly as well. So you want to be sure that you never go too long without any activity. So, yes, it does count for, you know, your Target cards, your Victoria's Secret cards as well. So let's define some of the commonly used terms that people who, including myself, didn't really understand, um, like credit utilization. What exactly does that mean? Sure, sure, sure. So credit utilization is really just how much of your credit cards you're using. Like how much are you using compared to the limit? So let's say you have a $200 limit on your credit card and right now your credit balance, right, is $100. That means you're using half of what's available to you. So that equivalents to 50% of credit utilization. So it's just comparing the balance to your limit, how much you're using of what's allotted to you. So that's the the key. You want to be sure that you're keeping that under 20. I'm very aggressive. So I say 10%. Um, 20% is safe, but I'm very, very aggressive with my clients because I like them to see, you know, 700 credit scores and above. So I shoot for 10% or below to have your balance, your credit utilization. However, 20% is still good, but there's a lot of gurus out there that are teaching 30 to 50% is okay, and that is just too high. You're not going to see a high credit score when your your balances are are that high. So you want to keep your usage very low. I I recommend 7 to 10%. And is that ongoing or is that something to where if I buy a, you know, a TV with my credit card and it's $1000 and I spend 500 but I pay it the next month. Does that matter at all? Yeah, so it does matter when you pay it. So you can definitely use as much as you want, right? As long as you have the funds to cover it. So let's say you did buy, you know, the $500 TV on your $1,000 credit line. So your usage is at 50%. Just as long as when that statement closes, like the end of that billing cycle, you've brought that balance down to the 10%, then you're okay. Right. So you just have to manage your payment date. So that's the key. So you can use it. So I I never I'm you know, I'm never going to say, hey, if you have an emergency or if you need to use it, don't use it. But if you use it, you just have to be sure that you have the funds to pay it and then pay it by a specific date. So this is something that I teach my VIP clients. So you want to pay it before the statement closing date. 
That's when the billing cycle ends, and that's when they report your balances to the credit bureaus. So you want to look as credit healthy as possible, right? So you want to show the credit bureaus that your balance is low when it's being reported because that's when your score is going to be calculated. So if you can bring your balance down to that 10% number before the statement closing date, then you're okay. And what are what? So what is uh, revolving accounts? What are those? What are so revolving examples? accounts are the accounts that you have to pay, you know, every month. So for example, your Visa, Mastercard, credit cards, your department store cards, your gas cards—that's revolving accounts that you're paying every thirty days. So they're just considered revolving accounts if they have a balance, or is that just a category of? credit cards called that's just the category yes the category because everything is going to have a balance so even your installment loans you know things like that are going to have a balance but your revolving accounts are the accounts that you pay every month and can you explain to people who aren't sure what debt to income ratio means for creditors Yes. So your debt to income ratio is the amount of debt you're paying every month. So all of your open accounts that you have and that you're paying on, okay, compared to your monthly income. So what they're going to do is they're going to calculate all of the open accounts that you have, all right, what the payments are, and then they're going to compare that to what you're bringing in monthly. So that's your debt to income ratio. So this is usually calculated when you're applying for a home loan. They want to see what you can afford, right? So they're looking at all of the accounts that you have open on your credit report. What are those payments? Add those all up and then compare it to your monthly income to say, okay, you can afford a home or you can't, or this is how much of a home you can afford. Okay, so then to give people a a little bit more of an understanding, let's say you bring in $3,000 a month, right, as as an individual, and your debt is at $1,500 a month. Mm -hmm. Okay, am I I right? Am I? I, I'm listening. (laughs) I'm just trying to give people an idea. (laughs) So that would mean that your debt to income ratio is 50%. Yes, and that's usually considered too high, and more than likely they wouldn't approve you for um, a lot of home. <laughs> so you would you would get a, a smaller approval if your income if your debt to income ratio is fifty percent. Um, they would rather it be around thirty or lower to to be able to qualify. And then we did touch on this just a little bit, but using. Um, a secured credit card to help build credit? Or what about a credit builder loan? Yes. So that would fall under the installment loan category. So what you want to have is a good credit mix. This is 10% of your score. So it counts for about 55 points. And so what you want to do is let them know that you can manage your revolving accounts, which is accounts you pay every 30 days. You can you can manage your installment accounts, which are your longer period of time, like over five years, six years, 30 years. Those are your installment loans. And so in that category, you have your student loans, you have your car loans, you have your mortgage loans, you have your personal loans that you may have taken out. And so that falls under installment loans. So if you don't have any of those, you can use a credit builder loan. There's um, an account for that that's called Self Lender. And it works just like a secure card, but it's for the installment loan category. So you can open up a self-lender account and that will help you build your credit and um, provide payments over an extended period of time. And that will be an installment account on your credit report. 
And we're talking a lot about creditors, right? So for people who are unsure exactly what that means or just curious, what are or who are the major reporting agencies and why should people be aware where they stand with each of those agencies? Okay, so the three major credit reporting agencies, they are TransUnion, Experian, and Equifax. So what they do is that they house your credit data. And this determines how likely a creditor or a lender will extend you credit based on whatever information is on your credit report. Hey guys, you want to know how you can keep supporting the show for as little as $1 a month? If you visit patreon.com slash warriorherpodcast, you can sign up on different levels. This will include access to early recordings, unedited versions, and even input on what guests I should have on the show next. Thank you so much for your support. Again, patreon.com slash warriorherpodcast. Paying before the due date, which will be your statement closing date, that will be four. And five, I would say diversifying your credit portfolio. So if you need to add positive credit, as far as, you know, maybe a revolving line of credit, an installment loan with like a health lender account, that is a strong way to build your credit portfolio. All right. So we are going into the next segment, which is going to be talking about business credit. So explain to the listeners what business credit is. Okay. So business credit, which I love um, for my small business owners out there, it's credit that's actually built in your business name. It's not linked to your personal social security number, and it's based solely on the business's ability to pay its bills on time. So it's linked to your tax ID number. When you've gotten incorporated, you got a tax ID number. And so it's linked to that. So you're actually building credit for your business. So that will lead us into establishing business credit. <laughs> so how do I, okay, I have my business. I'm so excited. You know, I, I have my LLC and now how do I keep my business credit separate from my personal credit? Perfect. So what you can do, business credit is awesome because it can be built without a personal credit check or a personal guarantee. So that's what you want to be sure that you're doing. So you're developing a separate credit profile strictly for your business. All right. So when you're completing your credit applications, you're going to be using your full legal business name. Okay. As well as your EIN number. So you're the number one thing I can advise you to do is to leave your social security number off of the application completely. This is what is going to allow your personal credit not to be pulled. All right. So you want to use your full legal business name, your EIN number, and do not put your social security number on the applications. So there is something called credibility checkpoints in the business credit world. And you want to be sure that you're meeting these checkpoints whenever you're applying for credit. So this is what I call my becoming lendable foundation. And so without these in place, you're not going to build business credit the right way. So one, of course, you want to have a, a business name. Two, you want to have your LLC. Three, you want to have your EIN number, which is also called your tax ID number. You can get that from irs.gov for free. Then you want to be sure you have a business phone number. 
right? You're not using your cell phone number. You want to have an actual business phone number to represent your business. You can have the calls forwarded to your cell phone, but you want to have an actual business phone number. You want to also have a business fax number so that if you need to fax any credit applications or if you need to receive any documents, you have a fax number. It also makes you look more credible according to the lenders and the vendors and the creditors that's approving you for credit. Um, you also want to have a website. This is very important because these creditors and these vendors are actually going to Google your business. They're gonna search the internet for what it is that you do, the services you provide, how do clients find you, how do clients see you, and how can they get in contact with you? So we wanna be sure that your contact information is on your website, the services you provide, and you know what is it that you do. All right, so it doesn't have to be an elaborate website, but definitely like a one or two page website describing what you do, have it look official so that when they Google you, they know that you know, you're a real legitimate business. Um, then you wanna be sure that you have an office address, like a business address that you conduct business. Um, if you don't have a business address, you can use your home address as a last resort, but you do not wanna use like a PO box or a USPS address. I have a lot of people that come to me as clients and they're like, oh, I have a, um, you know, a PO box or I have a USPS address and those will get flagged. So you definitely do not wanna use those when you are applying for business credit. So what if I use my, this is not me, <laughs> but what if I use my, uh, you know, uncle's home address? Is that will have, 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 have to be the same place that you got incorporated. So if that's incorporated, those are the document. that's the address on your documents that you got incorporated with, then that's okay. But yeah, but you don't want to just use different addresses all over the place, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, so you want everything to be consistent so that when they research the company, when it comes up, it's one profile. So if you use one address when you got incorporated and then use another address on an application, then you use another address when you open your bank account, your business is going to show up three different ways on the internet. Okay. Yeah, so you want it to be one address. So it can be a home address as a last resort, but again, you want it to be consistent. Okay, so next you want to have a business bank account. This is very, very important. You want to have a business bank account. Keep it separate from your personal. Okay, this is where you're going to be paying um, for your vendor accounts and, your, and things like that. So you want to have a business bank account. And a lot of creditors really consider the day that you open your bank account, the business that your business started, the day that your business started. So you could have incorporated 10 years ago, but if your bank account was open yesterday and then you come in and ask for a loan today, um, they're like, oh, I don't think so, <laughs> right? Your business just started yesterday. So when you get incorporated, guys, you want to be sure you're opening a bank account like right away. So get those corporation documents, get your EIN number, take it to the bank and open a business bank account. I don't care if you put $50 in there. Get the business bank account open right away when you've decided to start your business. Okay. And then last but not least, you want to be sure that you have all of your documents with the same information. So your bank account should reflect, um, you know, your phone number, your fax number, your, your address. All that should be the same with your full legal business name. And then you want to also be sure that your business is registered with 411. I know we have not used 411 in like forever, <laughs> but a lot of creditors will extend you credit just for being registered with 411 and having an EIN number. 
So if that's what they require, let's get that done. So you can register your business yourself. It's called listyourself.net and get your business registered with the 411 National Directory. So those are the lendable foundation steps that you wanna meet so that your business can be credible, legitimate, and be ready for funding. And for all the people listening, I heard Stephanie on another podcast and literally had no idea about any of these things <laughs> at all. Had a full-blown business for over a year and had no idea. And I did immediately these things as soon as I heard it. I, I was writing notes. Like that, <laughs> if you're not writing notes at this point, you don't actually give a damn about your credit. Yes. So if you haven't written a single note during this whole show, I don't know what else to tell you. <laughs> yeah. This is some important information and things that that's why I had to have you on too, because I think I know I'm not alone. You know, yeah. I'm not the only person in the planet who is either starting a business, has a business, yeah. or just needs to grow because at some point you have to get more capital for your business in order Absolutely. to keep it growing. You can't, Absolutely. you know, and either you have to hire someone or you have to mm -hmm. buy more materials or mm -hmm. whatever the case may be. So it's really important um, that you do all these things and not be like Courtney. So <laughs> <laughs> why do some, why do some creditors ask for your personal information? You know why they ask? Because you're willing to give it because you don't know any better. So why would they not ask if you're willing to be a personal guarantor, right? They're like, oh, if you're willing to put down your information and you're willing to act as a personal guarantor for this account, why would I not allow you to do that? <laughs> so, you know, later on I could come after you if the account goes delinquent because we're willing to do it. We don't know, we, we lack that knowledge, we lack the education. So they're not gonna tell you, um, don't do it right? They're going to let you do it. So they ask and, you know, they know that 90% of us don't know anything about business credit and we don't know how to go about building it the right way. So if they can benefit in any way, they're going to. So what if you are applying for a, some type of business credit and they say that they have to have your personal information? Do you suggest just not just finding another lender to go with or so the thing is you have to go in certain steps. So you're not going to go just straight to funding because your business isn't credible yet. Right. You haven't established any credit history. That's what they're going to look at. So it's the same thing in the, in the personal credit world. You're not going to go straight to an American express card. Right. And you just started building credit. You got to start with your smaller cards. That's why you start with a secure card. Build that trust. Build that payment history. Now you have some establishment, right? Then you move on to your Victoria's Secret card, your Target card, your gas card, okay? Then you show them a little bit more. Hey, I have this car loan. Hey, now I have this, um, you know, Visa card, right? And now you're able to work up to your American Express after you have that 750 credit score and 10 years of history. So you're not gonna go straight to um, American Express in the business credit world. You're not gonna go straight to the lender and say, I'm looking for $150,000 in, in credit, right? You gotta show them credit history. You gotta establish yourself first. So you're gonna start with vendor accounts, okay? Th that's the starter way, that's a gateway to building business credit, right? That's gonna be your starter accounts. And what that is, is, is they're going to 
extend you credit over a net 30 day terms. And that's kind of like your secure card route, right? You know, you build your credit with your vendor accounts and then you move on from there. But you're not going to just go straight to lending where they're asking for your personal information. They're going to go Google your business, see what type of accounts you have on your credit profile, and then approve you from there. So if you have your vendor accounts and then you move through the process the way that you're supposed to with your established credit history, then you're able to say, okay, I'm ready to apply for funding. Why is building business credit important? I believe it's important because a lot of businesses fail within the first five years due to a lack of capital. It's, it's just facts. Like you mentioned earlier, you know, either you're going to need to hire someone, you need marketing material, you need supplies, you need equipment, right? You need gas cars, like um, depending on your industry, um, you just need access to additional capital to, to have the business thrive, to have the business grow, um, to sustain it. And what most people do is that they lean on their personal credit too much. And so if you own a business, you know this, right? What are you guys doing? You're maxing out your personal credit cards just to fund your business. You're using all of your, your savings, all of your income, right? And once you've exhausted that, then what? You're stuck. Because now you, you don't close your business. Back. like I Right, do. exactly. You're stuck and the business goes down. All right. And then after that's happened, your credit is screwed up because you put it all into the business and now you have nowhere to go. Right. So now that dream that you always had of this wonderful business doing so well to help people and, you know, to provide more for your family is gone. So business credit is important because not only are you able to provide that capital for the business to, to start, grow and thrive, you're not ruining your personal credit in the interim. Right. So you, you're able to sustain your personal credit or work on your personal credit, whichever state you're in, but still have the business grow at the same time because they're, they're separate. Right. So you don't have to do one or the other. You can work on your personal credit and build your business credit at the same time because you're not having a personal credit check and you're not using yourself as a personal guarantor. Right. So it's really, really important if you are a business owner right? You have cell phones, right? You have all of the things that you're, you're, you're buying supplies, you're buying paper, you're buying ink, right? You're buying all these things, but you could be building business credit at the same time. So that will help you conserve your cash flow, right? So instead of spending $200 of your cash to get those supplies, you put it on your business credit. So now you have 30 days to pay that invoice. Now you've conserved that cash flow and you're able to get more done. So it's really important for us as business owners to educate ourselves and to really implement and take action and, and start building business credit because there's no reason why you shouldn't have it. No reason at all. And so I'm going to go back a little bit to the, to the initial um, things we were talking about with addresses and websites. You also recommend with the website, but it can be like a landing page or something that just gives, they just need to see the information that they're looking for. Right. I mean, I don't want to go as far as as a landing page, but it, it needs to look, you know, professional. It needs to provide 
the information that you, you know, the services you provide to your customers and your contact information needs to be on there. So your address, your phone number and your email address needs to be on the website as well. So again, it can be one or two pages. So a landing page will be okay because landing pages do come with, some of them do have one or two tabs. Um, so a landing page can work, but again, you do want it to look professional. So it looks like, okay, if a client came there, they know exactly, you know, how to navigate, what you do, where to find you, things like that. So that's what they're looking for. Um, but again, you can get a, a website done. They have a lot of do-it-yourself tools out there nowadays. Like um, Wix or whatever. Yeah, Wix, GoDaddy, Vistaprint, Squarespace. I mean, there's so many of them. Um, so it's going to be one of two things. You take the time to do it yourself or you pay somebody to do it for you. Um, but again, it's, you have to get these things done. And then can you tell people, too, as well about what the address is? Because you had talked about this on the show that I heard you on, and I wanted to make sure we covered that, is um, the virtual office. Yes. Yeah, so virtual office address is another res resource um, for you um, as an address. So if you don't want to use your home address and you don't have an actual location, you can use a virtual office address. So there's resources like Regis, um, Alliance, Opus that offer virtual office addresses to represent your business. So when somebody Googles you, they see a nice brick and mortar building that represents that your business um, is there. And what is it? We'll just do this. Um, this one last thing, because I want to respect your time. Uh, do lenders look at Experion and TransUnion and Equifax for business as well? No, they don't. So lenders look at the business credit reporting agencies to find your business credit profile. And so the three reporting agencies in the business credit world are Experian Commercial, Equifax Small Business, and then Dun & Bradstreet. So Dun & Bradstreet is the largest, and um, that's where your business credit data is being held. And then um, you can build a Paydex score for Dun & Bradstreet and then an IntelliScore for Experian. So they're gonna Google your business, look at your business credit profile to see if you're established enough to be approved for credit through your business. And then is that also the Dun & Bradstreet, that's where the Dun's number comes from? Mm-hmm, okay. yeah. So that's your identification number through Dun & Bradstreet. Okay, well, Stephanie, you are the shit. <laughs> I wish I could hold you in my pocket and take you out and just tell people, every people, every person that I could find all of this information. Because, you know, I consider myself to be a, a smart, well-educated woman. And yes. there's so many things that I had no idea. And instead of you know, for the people who are listening, who instead of it letting you, you know, preventing you from moving forward, take these steps and take some action like I did, like Stephanie did, and mm -hmm. it will, it will change the game. So tell people where they can find you and what services you offer if they're interested. Yes, definitely, definitely. So you guys can find me in my private Facebook group, which is a first class credit society, where I teach credit all day, every day, free tips, tools, strategies, resources to help you build your credit. Then you can find me on Twitter at the Credit Repair Queen. And I'm also on LinkedIn, 
with my name, Stephanie Lawrence. So you can find me on any of those platforms. You can also send me a message if you are interested in a free guide or a free checklist that goes over those ways to boost your credit score as well as those ways to build your business credit. A lot of people have been getting stuck with trying to build a business credit the right way. So I have a free checklist. If you guys are interested in that, you can text me at 240-334-7670. So I offer credit improvement services. I also offer business credit building services. And then if you want to impact others, fix your own credit as well, and start your very own credit improvement business, I do offer a coaching program for that as well. It is called the Credit Lab Coaching Program. And if you're interested, you can definitely send me a message and we can talk about your goals and your your interest in the industry and see how we can go about helping you get your own business started. Thanks for listening to the Warrior Her podcast. Don't forget to join us next week for another fun episode. Go like, subscribe, rate, and leave a review on iTunes. Until next time, Warriors, remember... Girls really do run the world. <laughs>